0: Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Hello, and today I'm joined for the first in our new series of episodes called A Journey Into Home Education. And I'm going to be joined every month by Ash Ahmed, And we are going to be talking to each other once a month. And Ash is just starting out on her her home education journey. She's going to be taking her son out of school starting this September. And we're going to be charting her journey and seeing how she's getting on every month, having a little check-in and hopefully providing a little bit of inspiration and support for those of you who are also in a similar kind of timescale where you're taking your child out of school this September. So hi, Ash, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi thank you so much for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your son and what sort of prompted you to to land up where you are now this summer just about to deregister.
1: Yeah so um, it's it's a big decision to make and I'm completely aware of that um, and particularly being a teacher myself. So I'm a primary school teacher um, trying to get out of teaching but I've been a primary school teacher for a good 11 years now in the UK and um, my son is has always been mainstream educated. Um, He's never really enjoyed school. He's never, even from the the get-go, he's not really you know, kind of jumped into education and really enjoyed it. He's always kind of been on the periphery, I I think. Um, And I think a lot of that comes from kind of not being comfortable in the environment that he's in. He's kind of always one in 30 or 30 plus in his current class size. And he doesn't get that, he doesn't have that time. Or the opportunity to build that relationship with the adults in the classroom I feel I think has always been the case and I think it's just become more and more prominent particularly post-Covid uh, where there was a big adjustment getting the children back into school and he's he just really st- struggled and developed anxiety around going to school um, and at that time I didn't even think home educating would be an option it's just, it's just not something that ever crossed my mind before Um, but as it was prolonged and his anxieties were just getting worse and worse and um, I started looking around and I actually joined a couple of Facebook groups and and got some more insight into home educating. And um, yeah, it's just something that as of last year, I thought we really need to look into this. This is an option for him. He will be able to actually enjoy learning again. And that's my biggest goal is for him to actually have that love of learning back, which he hasn't had in so many years. And so that's that's how we are where we are. Did he enjoy lockdown? Then did he enjoy?
0: Did you did you enjoy sort of learning from home and that kind of thing? Was it something that he he relished?
1: I didn't enjoy it. I'm going to be completely honest because <laughs> I was I was doing all this stuff with school as well as so kind of um, a blended learning through the, the online system and then also kind of and um, juggling his learning and I. that's when I learn and this is the thing that's been putting me off for such a long time that he doesn't work around me he doesn't work it's very difficult for me to get him to follow the instructions and tasks that are set from set by school so that is actually my biggest fear even now but um he's a bit older than he's a couple of years you know after the this is a couple of years post um pandemic now and um, so I'm hoping he's matured a little bit and the conversations that we've had, he seems a lot more engaged and willing to to do it. In fact, something interesting on Friday after they broke up, he decided just out of the blue that he wanted to set up a, a lemonade stand outside our house and, and decided to like, he wanted to learn all about the business element of it and what, what profit is and all those sorts of stuff. So on that very Friday that he broke up from school, me and him sat together and we did a, a food hygiene um certificate um course thing online, which he he really I mean, I can't say he, he loved it, but he did it. He worked through it um, and we got the certificate. And then last week, uh, which is our first week of the holidays, he he's sat outside with a lemonade stand and a cake stand one day as well. And, um, you know, just, just was, his confidence was amazing, You know, shouting cupcakes and brownies across the street, which yeah. I wasn't expecting from him. And that was all from him. And I was thinking, I'm bossing this home educating thing. I haven't even started yet. So <laughs> like two days in and you're knocking out of the park. I was like, this is great. So yeah, I, I think my the trick is going to be to engage him, of course, like, you know, as as you, you you need to do anyway, but really find what he's interested in and follow follow that and try and let him run with it more than anything. I was going to say that, you
0: know, when you were saying about how you struggled to get him to engage with the work that they sent home during lockdown, and and I know that uh, I'm friends with, with some schooled parents you know and uh, they they had the same kind of thing the, the work was really quite dull and actually a lot of them just opted out and just didn't do it and and I would reassure you that like home education does not look like that so you've got <laughs> you don't yeah. have to worry quite so much but and actually the lemonade stand that is so interesting because that is a classic home ed thing like taking something like that that they're interested in and then making it into like a whole project let's look at lo- profit and loss and you know it's, it's really interesting isn't it how you can
1: take something quite small that they're interested in and then they See the relevance of what they're learning. 100%. Exactly. And he's because he's driven that as well. His motivation to actually do the DT stuff. So like, see, I'm still in home. I'm still in teacher mode by by kind of labeling the learning he's doing. But uh, by cooking, by baking, and learning the kind of different uh, ratios of lemonade and the syrup of the lemonade and putting it in with the the, the water and things like that. He's been really um kind of yeah determined and wanting to work at that whereas I think if that was an activity set at school obviously it wouldn't be able to be as engaging as that because it wouldn't be as practical um and I don't think he would have been as engaged in it so yeah I, I, I love that I love that he was able to do that and I love that I didn't even I wasn't even trying um so I'm not I'm not under any illusion I'm sure it's going to get a lot harder there'll be times when it, when it is difficult but yeah I was really impressed with with our start. So how old is your son? He is 10, he'll be 11 in a few weeks. So he's one of the older ones. Um, he would have been entering year six. So he's just ended year five, yeah. So he he
0: would be, he would have been entering his final year at primary. And so you've taken him out just before the SATs
1: hit. I have, I completely disagree with the SATs. Like I got, yeah, even as a teacher, I just think they're, they're home and especially as a teacher, I should say, because it puts an, a, an enormous amount of pressure on the children. for something that really doesn't matter for the children, it's really to determine how the school's doing. So yeah, I don't think that's um, fair to put that pressure on the children. And he was actually quite lucky because even though he did all the studying up until the SATs, it was when COVID, the first lockdown happened that they didn't, they, he was the first year group that didn't do SATs that year so he was in he didn't he missed those as well but, but they uh, have
0: sats earlier on then
1: not just in year yeah. 6 yeah end of key stage 1 and then end of key stage 2 so when you're kind of seven are the first ones wow uh, yeah A bit brutal. Um, it, it is brutal because it changes your relationship with school. I think my um my stepson, who's also the same age as my son, and um, they're both about to enter year six. So it'll be interesting to see how their journeys uh, differ because he's staying in a mainstream school, and um, but he developed school-based anxiety in year two, which is when they do the Sats. Because the focus of learning went from kind of year one, where it was a lot of you know learning through play and much more how you would want learning to be, I suppose, as a teacher, to kind of sitting down and having to study for the SATs and doing practice questions again and again and again. And, yeah, that that really brought out a really negative reaction to school for him as well. Um, so, yeah, it is unfair, I think, making putting all that pressure on children when they're so young for something that doesn't really matter in, in the grand scheme of things for their their personal journeys. Um, it is difficult. So I'm glad that he's not doing the SATs this year.
0: Do you think that's one reason why your son – feels a bit kind of ostracized from his learning at the moment that because of the sort of learn to test that happened really quite early. I mean, that's like second year of school, right? Do you feel that that's maybe one reason why he's lost his natural connection to learning? Or is it just because of the really big class sizes as well?
1: I think the amount of pressure that's put on the children from the teachers inadvertently. I'm not saying you know I'm a teacher. I have lots of teacher friends, and they are normal human beings who are lovely. And I know that you, you were you were a teacher in your past as well, and so I'm sure you can vouch for that as well. But I think the school that he's he's in an outstanding school. They haven't been off in in a while, but at the moment they're in it's an outstanding school, and the pressure to stay outstanding I think is quite high in the school. So. For example, if my son completed a piece of work that wasn't neat enough or tidy enough, he's had his work torn out of his book before and thrown away in front of him. So, oh my god, there are things like that that happen. This is this is his version of events. I've never I've never confronted the teacher or anything at that point, but um, yeah. So, but he's very well, so he developed a couple of years ago. He developed um as, as a case of if he's become quite a perfectionist. So if he knows that it's going to take. If it's not going to be perfect he won't even get started on the work mm-hmm. so it take, that's going to be a really difficult habit to for me to unpick and kind of help him see that you can it's okay to have a go and if, it, it doesn't have to be perfect the first time you do it and that's part of the learning but he is a, the, the pressure that was put on him because of the pressure that's probably put on the teachers is is, is is quite huge and it has really impacted his personality and his love for learning or, or lack thereof I should say Perfectionism is such a thing, I think, particularly in that
0: age, Boy, boys as well, boys as well at that age, they do seem to go through a phase of perfectionism. And and I don't think it's unique to school, actually, I think because my son, who has never been at school, he certainly went through a stage of, of sort of really, really wanting everything to be perfect. And what we did was... I I sensed it was happening. And so I thought, I'm going to get in quickly here. Um, And so I would sit with them and I would um, print out, like I would make, I was a big fan of making my own resources because it saved me lots of money and um, it meant I could uh, incorporate their own interests into it. So like they were into Harry Potter at that kind of age. So I would put like lots of Harry Potter references and images and stuff on it. And then I printed it. And what I would do is I print out three copies. So one for both my children, one for me. And then I would, I would do this kind of goofy thing where I would like deliberately make loads of mistakes and like doodle on my paper, really like smudge stuff, and um, and I would do it really just to emphasise like it's okay to be messy, it's okay to make mistakes and cross stuff out, it's okay to like you know draw pictures of the sun and flowers and stuff like that and i did that really for for about 2 months and it was really fun because they found it hilarious that their mother was this like really bad student who was really goofing around uh, but also i think it helped them to realize that like a piece of paper doesn't have to be perfect right and i think at school you're really taught that you have to hand it in and it has to look nice so I would like tear off bits of the paper and stuff and
1: honestly it really helped the perfectionism because I think they thought well if their mother's doing it it must be okay to do it yeah, absolutely and that's a, it's a safe space to be able to explore and be able to you know find you find your own way of completing a task whereas I think yeah it can be quite prescriptive in schools uh, where you have to do things in a certain way and if they're not good if it's not good enough you have to stay in at lunchtime and do it again which we've had lots of times and things like that so yeah absolutely I think, and that why I want him to have a kind of a safe environment where he can learn and make mistakes because that's all part of life
0: and do you have a sense of what sort of approach you're going to take I mean are you do you sort of I I know there's like a million different ways to home educate but do you have a kind of sense of how it's going to work for you and your
1: son um so I think I knowing him and knowing what he kind of wants so he hasn't 100% got a career that he wants to go into but I know that he wants to the ones that he's named or shown an interest in are things that are kind of Quite academic careers so I think he wants to continue he will want to take his GCSEs at the moment this might change but at the moment he will want to take GCSEs and I think he'd be good at them given the right kind of um, environment to be able to learn and study for them so I think we're going to, um, to take quite an academic approach in respect to giving him his maths and his English as a as a the way, the way it's sorry, Anna. Can you hear the screaming in the background? That's my daughter, if you can hear that. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: I think I think after years of motherhood, I just block it out now. Luckily I don't I hear yeah, children's
1: noises. <laughs> time and now she's just, yeah, bouncing off the walls. Um, yeah, so I think for Ismail, I think I really want him to be able to um, access maths and English as normal. So initially, I was going to get tutors for maths and English and then kind of do the rest of the uh, curriculum. And I say curriculum, thinking about the, 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 the national curriculum, but other things like science, history and all things kind of led by his interests and, and me helping him with those um, and giving him projects to do. But um, things have changed in the sense that it's really expensive to have those tutors, uh, you know, twi- five times a week um, for two subjects, etc. So Wow, I, you don't need that much. That's a I lot. Know, <laughs> and I know, I know. And that's the other thing as well. So that's the, I know that you don't have to have that massive amount either because I'm thinking about from a school point of view because it's one-to-one so it's so much more effective exactly yeah I know but I just wanted to cover myself and make sure that I was able to whatever I started with I was able to give that consistency throughout so I think that's going to gone out the window a little bit and I think what I'm going to do is work and I've been working on plans for him myself so with maths and English looking at his because his school report came back and it said that even though I had no indication of this prior to this but he hasn't met the age-related expectations for maths just just missed them by a little bit so I know that he's going to and I think with him it's a lot of confidence that's missing so I just want to work with him on on the maths and um, helping him build that confidence but um, and same with English as well he's not a big fan of English he doesn't enjoy reading and he doesn't enjoy He's at the age where I, I see it in my classrooms as well. A lot of, and this is not stereotypical, but a lot of boys kind of switch after writing and and reading, um, because they just don't enjoy it. It's they'd rather do something else. But I want to kind of um, link the reading and the learning that we're doing to the topics that he's very interested in, because he's listed all the topics that he wants to look at this year, uh, which I'm really excited about looking at as well. So linking them in and maybe giving him opportunities to kind of access things, elements of the national curriculum through that.
0: Yes, nice. so sense. he's yeah he's given you a list of things that he wants to do as like little projects, and then you're going to incorporate the learning into those.
1: Yeah, so things that he he's always wanted to learn about that he hasn't learned about in school. So World War One being the, the the first one that we're doing, and then I've tried to link the the English and all the other things that we're doing around around that as well. To be honest, it's a lot I know it doesn't have to be this way. And I, I, when I was reading up on it, one of the things that um on, on home educating, one of the things that really attracted me to it was that you don't have to have lesson plans and you don't have to have a certain way that you do it. You can do it the way that you want to do and what works best for your family. Um, but um it has been a lot of work just because I want to have I want to have something solid that I've got to start from. I'm really concerned about him not being interested in learning and then me not having the appropriate resources at the right time Kind of when it comes to September and then having to plan at that time. So I'm very aware of wanting to have everything kind of planned. I know this is a bit of a control thing from my point of view <laughs> as well. I see that and I and I need to have that flexibility that things might not go that way. But I have spent quite a lot of time just planning those resources and making sure that he's got something that he can at least get on with at the beginning of the year. Um. So yeah, I think it's quite structured at the moment. That's what we're looking at.
0: I think when you first start home educating, you like to have everything like massively planned and prepped and you buy lots of resources and you do lots of planning because obviously it's it's like a little scaffold that supports you and it's very scary to kind of launch into home education without any kind of planning i mean it's absolutely possible to do but it is you have to be quite quite a strong individual to do that so i totally get what you would sort of plan all that and have that plan i would say you don't need to follow the national curriculum i think that's like death to fun (laughs) Have you thought about um, the deregistration process? Are you going to have you have you deregistered? Are you going to deregister?
1: How are you going to work that? So I was planning on deregistering on the first day back at school, or maybe the night before, just because I've got the email ready to go. But I just wanted to enjoy the summer holidays, and I didn't want to have to kind of be on on the lookout for any kind of contact from the LA at that time. So I think we're going to we've got the email drafted it's a template that I found on one of the groups and the Facebook groups and I'm going to just use that to um yeah send at the time and then just wait to see what comes back <laughs> I suppose hopefully it'll be quite simple and straightforward but I know it's not always that way. Do you know what to expect from the LA?
0: Do you know your rights and all that kind of thing?
1: So I've read up on I've, I've read up on what you're supposed to be doing and what you're supposed to <laughs> yeah. What my responsibility will be, um, which seems fine. It seems absolutely fine. And I think um, more so it's, I think, the 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 process of will the school accept it and will there, or will it be a failure to deregister? De- de- because it's, I don't think it's a common thing. I don't think, I mean, it probably is more common than you think, but I can't imagine that many um, children within this school deregistering. De- de- I don't think it's a common process. So I think it might be, they might be surprised by the fact that I've deregistered and then they might want to do the whole kind of, calling me in for a meeting and things like that, which I know that I don't have to do. Um, I don't have to do that at all. I can just you know, say that this is a smart decision that I've made um, and so on, but yeah, I, there is a bit of anxiety around around what's going to happen going forward and, and it will be a straightforward process or not. But I think I feel well equipped in the sense that I feel like my knowledge on it is good enough to be able to handle what happens. And I know that there's support in the Facebook groups as well for situations that aren't kind of completely typical. I think what tends to help make it
0: feel more simple and straightforward is if you remind yourself that when you're deregistering you're not asking permission to take your child from school you're not it's not a request you're just literally informing them like you would inform them of anything it's just you, you're just saying this is now what's going to be happening and then that's it you don't have I mean, when it comes to school you don't have to have any other contact with the school you don't need to agree to any meetings have any phone calls you don't have to explain any reasons there's nothing like there's nothing you have to do when it comes to the LA or the local authority you you know your rights for that so tell me come on you t- I'm going to quiz you now then Ash. tell mm-hmm. me what uh tell me what you have to do for the LA come on then
1: <laughs> when they contact me they, that's, I'm not going to contact them am I they're going to contact me correct well done gold star <laughs> <laughs> thank you I feel like I'm being tested now <laughs> yeah it's, it's nice tested. for me to test a teacher <laughs> and it feels horrible <laughs> when they're going to contact me they will probably ask me I think most likely to tell me what my plans are I imagine that's what's going to be the first kind of contact that I have with them most likely mm-hmm. and at that time I don't have to give them any lesson plans or anything like that I can add, it's better for me to give them a retrospective report or can give them a date where I can provide them with a report um is that right
0: it's yeah. very
1: nice <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> that's the plan um and yeah and to also to say that i want to keep it all in writing so there's a paper trail of any kind of communication that's going back and forth which i know you don't have to do but i think for um yeah the sake of an easy life i think that's probably the best thing to do i think that's top of the class that's
0: very good (laughs) (laughs) so yeah exactly so you don't need to um provide any prospective learning ideas. You don't need to say, this is what we're going to be doing over the next year. In fact, we tend to be not recommended because then they can hold you to it in the next year and be like, did you do those things you said you were going to do? And you don't have to provide any evidence of any work either. So sometimes they ask for samples of work. You don't need to provide that. And also you can keep it all in writing. You don't need to have any phone calls. You don't need to, they shouldn't be doorstepping you, turning up at your house. And um, only once a year report. That. Yeah. So what if once you provide it, they may say oh we're we'll being contacted in 6 months and you'll be like nope you'll be in contacted in a year and so far as things stand at the moment that they're the rules for England so very good ash that's that is very impressive i'm glad you are armed with your rights i'm prepared yeah <laughs> so tell me um tell me one thing you're really looking forward to and one thing you're a bit nervous about for the for you like the first few weeks before we for, before we chat again at the end of september
1: so I'll start with what I'm not, I'll, I'm nervous about. <laughs> so I'm really nervous about my son saying to me that, no, actually I don't want to do this anymore or I don't want to do this at all or I to sleep in bed all day. And I know I've read about the process of kind of um, de-schooling, is it de-schooling? Mm-hmm. No, not de-schooling. It's different, de-schooling where, <laughs> where children take a lot of time to just recover from the trauma of school and I understand that. Um, but I would be worried, I guess I'm a bit worried that, because as you can tell probably from from my conversation already, I'm a bit of a control freak with things like this. I'm worried that it would be um, a slippery slope and then we'd, we'd never get to it. But the understanding, my understanding of deschooling, is that at some point he will then want to naturally learn as I want him to learn. So I guess the that process is a bit worrying or the process of him kind of not wanting to engage in any kind of learning at all. Although learning happens all the time and there are opportunities for it and I I understand that but I'm a bit nervous about my plans being wasted I suppose and all the hours of work that I've done. I'm afraid that probably will happen and
0: unfortunately we've all been there I have got bookshelves lined with things that I've bought and I've spent hard-earned cash on and uh, maybe my children got two pages in and I've got I've got like whole
1: plans that I've had to throw out. It is just unfortunately one of those things. A coded folder with all the subjects, and all the wonderful things we're going to be doing. And yeah, no, I understand. I know that there needs to be more flexibility for me. But I guess I'm a little bit anxious about about how it's going to look because we've not done it before. Not, not since Covid and Covid, I wouldn't say was proper. Home, home educating anyway it was homeschooling wasn't it so it was a bit different um so I yeah I guess not knowing what our day is going to look like I know I know from my point of view I'm working my work situation is changing a little bit I'm doing some freelancing at the moment so I'm going to fit that in with my two year old and and his his things so I'm a bit nervous about that but I think once we get into a rhythm it will work I hope it will work and the thing that I'm most looking forward to so we will we, as I said he wants to look at World War One as his first topic so we both sat down and booked the the National War, what what is it called in London? Imperial Imperial, Imperial War Museum. Imperial War Museum. We booked the. He actually he loves booking flights and things like that. I know that's quite a. He doesn't get to just book them without permission, but he likes looking at flights, flights and all these sorts of things. So traveling is one of his interests. So he he booked the train tickets for us to go down there, and he he helped book the the tickets for the museum and things like that. So I, I'm really looking forward to being able to do things on a Monday like not even on a school day and just being able to go and take him to my and then have that as part of our learning and giving him those opportunities that he wouldn't have at school
0: and it's so quiet as well it's so lovely because you go to these places and they're really quiet because all the children are in school and especially if you go on like kind of a rainy Tuesday and things like that it's, you can have the imperial war museum to yourself it's glorious the cafe is very good at the imperial war museum oh
1: is
0: it, well, <laughs> they can it. yeah we like the yeah <laughs> Something to look forward to. I love the Imperial War Museum. Actually, if you're doing World War One, are you going to be looking at any World War One poetry? Because that's a good chance to get some literature in there.
1: That's a, yeah, because we've got not too far from us. We've got the National Memorial Arboretum as well, which has got all the different memorials and there's some poems that work really well with some of the the um, different monuments they've got there. So I'm definitely going to be, and I've, I've actually taught that before in Year Five, Year Six. So that's kind of my area of expertise I really liked enjoyed doing that anyway. So I think he will really enjoy that and get a lot out of that as well. So definitely poetry would be a good one to get in there. I can't see him not engaging with this learning. I
0: want to engage with this learning. It sounds great fun. I hope so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well
0: <laughs> I look forward and I'm sure our listeners will look forward to seeing how you're getting on by the end of September because when next time we chat you'll be a couple of weeks in. So you'll have been to your Imperial War Museum and you'll have your colour coded folders and yeah all your planning
1: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) well we're looking forward very much to catching up with you every month ash and finding out how you and ismail are doing and um yeah it's been lovely chatting and i uh, i will see you on the other side on the dark side thank you so much thank you for having me (laughs) thanks ash thank you so much for joining us for today's home education matters podcast see you at the next one have a lovely day